Well, hey, everyone. Uh, this is... I know you're not used to me saying... Yeah, where's your opening spiel, bro? I know. What are you going to do? I was trying to think of I'm what my opening spiel was. I'm lost and confused. I was going to do my opening spiel, but oh, right this before... This is it. We... This is the last Q&A yeah. podcast of the year. So there's uh-huh. no point in telling you to subscribe to the old plan, because we're we're through the plan yeah, now. We're gonna be, so. Yeah, we're going to be jumping into a new plan, so you should jump into that one. Oh, us, yeah. Starting January 1st. Shazam. Uh, but yeah, this is our final Q&A episode of the year. 12 of them. So thank you to uh, thank you to everyone who uh, has been uh, submitting questions. Uh, thank you in particular to Tim, friend of the podcast who's been submitting. And thank you for including me in some of the questions. A ton of questions. Yeah. So just Evan. So I feel special now. There you go. With thank that you. being said, I think we're just going to I think like we're going to jump yeah. in. So yeah. all right. Question one. Uh, good morning, guys. Good well, morning. It actually is morning when we're recording this. So thank Boom. you. Thank you for your wishes. Good timing. Uh, not sure if this should be a podcast question, but I'll ask it anyway. Is Ezekiel 36 a prophecy about the reclamation creation of a modern day Israel? Um, and then basically, because it does it kind of lead to some of the conflicts that we see in that region today? Um, okay. So I guess I, I kind of, this is a really short answer that I put in out air. I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, as I read Ezekiel 36, it seems to have more to do with the immediate restoration of Israel and not the distant future. Um, and so here's an excerpt from Ezekiel 36. I want to read, uh, this kind of, I think it's the final verses. Uh, thus says the Lord God on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste, uh, and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being a desolation that was in the sight of all who pass by. And they will say this land that was desolate has become like the garden of Eden and the waste and the desolate of ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Uh, the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. Thus says the Lord, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them to increase their people like a flock. So, um, like a flock, like a flock. So no. So as I'm going through this, uh, there's a couple things that stand out to me. Number one, uh, the re- the ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Kind of speaks a lot of what's going on in Nehemiah uh, as mm-hmm. we read through that. Um, the idea of the land shall be tilled. All these things. Remember that a huge population was gone. So now that they're coming back, uh, this land that was left empty is now being farmed. Is now being tilled. All those different things. Um, if you wanted to say that it's in the future, I think it could be. I think it's hard to say. Um, that if you view this as a prophecy of the future that was not fulfilled um, in biblical times, I think it's hard to say that it's fulfilled by modern day Israel, because it would say that like the restoration they're talking about would have to be a deeper, more spiritual Mm -hmm. restoration. So I would say that probably applies more. And we'll get into that later because we're talking about another prophecy in Ezekiel that I think probably applies to the distant future. So if you are saying distant future, I would say that it probably hasn't been fulfilled yet. Again, uh, we always talk about, but as far as open-handed and closed-handed issues, this is very open-handed. Uh, you could very easily convince oh, me. Oh, I thought it was closed. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. This, I, my opinion is right. No, you could yeah. very oh, easily- You're right, Evan. Sorry. You could very easily convince me uh, of a different interpretation. Yeah. But as I was reading through it, as I was looking through it, that's kind of where, where I landed. Well, and I think um, I think as you read prophecies, I think it's, it's, um, it's easy to get caught up thinking about uh, what- how it would make sense in the future dialogues. What I mean by that is uh, we see different conversations throughout scripture that talks about Israel. We even hear people today talking about the Israel and what it what it should or should not be or how God's going to re- redeem. And uh, so I, I think the one thing that I've always seen in, in my understanding, again, my understanding is the world we live in is a, is a microcosm of, you know, the temple and the glory of God and everything's meant to redeem and be glorifying to him. 
Uh, and so there is some futuristic conversations where God's going to redeem his people, where God's going to uh, provide and God's going to bring, even as we see in New Revelation, you know, a new Jerusalem, a new earth, a new heavens. Um, and and so as I like as I read this and I look about, it, I think it's it's just a continual reminder of God's faithful provision and promises being answered. Um, he fulfills his promises. He uh, he restores his people, and he's going to restore. And the whole idea is that we'll continue to see that restoration truth play out. Um, as far as modern day Israel is concerned, I, I think I would agree with Evan a little bit. Um, there's much not much that I would disagree uh, in that regard. But I just think it's 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 always. It's always curious to me where I read something and I'm, I immediately start thinking, oh, this is going to play out this way. I think that's where we get in trouble a little bit. We don't know the time or the place. We don't know how God's going to fulfill all his promises. We just know that he's faithful to fulfill them. Uh, and we see that restoration happening in the world we live in on yeah. a regular basis. So. Well, there's also some prophecies where it's mm -hmm. like, uh, luckily for us, it's very easy to oh, see absolutely. how they're fulfilled, fulfilled. It's like, for instance, you know, like the prophecy that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Good Boom, that there he was. Yep, yep. There's no future fulfillment of yeah, that. Yeah, and even some of the Old Testament ones, I think it was with King Cyrus, where he was named uh, prior. And I think something along those lines. There's a couple yeah. of them. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. but Or even the uh, the original prophecy of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, where uh, the woman shall give birth to a son, and he shall crush the head of the serpent, or the serpent shall bite his heel, and then he shall crush its head. Uh, that's Jesus. So, Wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, question Good two. question, though. Yeah, a great question. So these are also, this one is also... Uh, about the this was a hard one for me. Um, yeah. Anyways, ask the question. It's it, yeah. It's it's it required a little bit of research. So uh, Ezekiel forty five and forty six talk about sin offerings, portions of the land for the priest, etc. Isn't this a restating of Deuteronomy uh, or Leviticus, basically the the, the Pentateuch? Uh, and then who is the prince that is talked about? Okay, so a bunch of questions in there. Um, number one, the first part he asked, and this one's a little bit easier. So in Ezekiel 45 and 46, um, there's a lot of kind of repetition of, well, either it's repetition of the law um, or some of it is not. So as far as I could tell, I didn't go too deeply into the into the law section of it, but it seems like it's kind of just a restating of um, of the laws that were put forward in the Old Testament as far as sacrifice mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, what is interesting is the that- The lands change. Yeah. The lands allotted to the the tribes of Israel do change, yeah. uh, but it's still it's it's equal in the in that sense. But um, there is kind of this idea of the exact lands that the tribes inhabit has changed just because um, I mean the land has changed. The yeah, situation yeah, exactly. Changed. Remember the kingdoms have you know been divided into north and south. Now they've been in exile, and so there's a lot that's happening right. to the entire geography of Israel. So and even in the ESV Bible, as I was looking at it shows you there's actually a map that shows the breakdown of how things are separated differently so it That's was cool. interesting so yeah i don't I can't know show you but i don't know many you should uh, check it out. necessarily like modern applications that i could pull out of that but it is interesting so if yeah. you got a bible with maps check it out if you got a study bible which i would encourage you if you don't have a study bible get a study bible study bible are awesome but then they won't uh, need us don't get a study i'm just kidding so, <laughs> just, uh, but yeah no it's a really interesting uh the second one is okay who is the prince so Great question. This is a really interesting one because it's one of those weird ones where like I just have read it and I just never thought much of it mm -hmm. about like okay, I had yeah, to go back and yeah, reread it just to be like what is he talking about? I'm like oh so yeah I went back reread it um, did some research and boy isn't that an interesting question because, we don't know we don't know who the prince is right so the prince we well here's one thing we do know we know that the prince is not Jesus um, and the reason that we know that is because and he sounds very messianic mm -hmm. as far as the way he's used but um, we see that the prince has to make a sin offering for uh, himself 
So because of that, but yeah, see, I don't know. You don't know? Cause I, I, I could see it alluding to Jesus. Cause think of it this way. Jesus became sin. Like he took on the sin of the world and he laid his own life down. Right. So I could see him in some respects having to make a sin offering for himself on that cross where he gives up his spirit. Like, I guess, cause I guess hands, my thought I would my be, spirit. if it was, he makes a sin offering that makes sense, but because it's for himself, like, I, I don't know, but it, Jesus became sin. Jesus took on the sin of the world. Yeah, there was be. a moment where like, it's funny cause this is, I don't want to open up a can of worms, but there is like, Jesus was this most, the only sinless human. Like it's actually not true because he took on the sin of the world. Right. He didn't sin throughout his lifetime. He took on everyone's guilt. And so there, he, he took on everyone's sin. Like there's just this dynamic, like yeah, so how I, much do you want to split hairs on this? But so I, I could see the prince being Jesus in some respects. Yeah. I do think oh, it's an important but, hair to split that like, um, yeah, Jesus took on the guilt of sin, but still himself did not sin. He, he did yeah, not sin, right. yes. But there was a moment where he, and I've heard it said this way regarding the cross, and this is like a whole like a preaching thought, but um, like it wasn't it wasn't sin that held Jesus to the cross. It was Jesus that held sin to the cross kind of thing. Like, um, So I'm not saying that Jesus was sinful. Please don't hear that. I don't want to right. preach heresy. Um, but I'm saying like there, I could see that like Jesus making a sin offering for himself being he was the sin offering for himself and humanity. Um, because there was a moment where, I mean, even it says, you know, God turns back. So right. I don't know. It's just the prince, there is no, I literally, I looked up, Evan has different resources and commentaries. I have different resources and commentaries. Um, this so, is this is a question that I'm like, I don't know who the prince is. I told Evan right before we started, I was like, I don't know who the prince is. Yeah, so I mean, which is I, weird. So I, and this isn't a super satisfactory answer. So I'll give you a little bit Um of what I was able to find. Most of the consensus is that, that at least that I've read, um, is that the prince is a figure in uh, the future. So if we're talking about kind of like, and this is where we're getting into like eschatology yeah, or, yeah. or the end of the world, basically like what's happening there. Um, we know that the print, the reason, because it, it's also interesting that it's a prince and not a king. Yeah, and true. so I think that in itself also shows that it, it probably isn't Christ because yeah, right Christ there. is king. He, why would he be prince? But this prince also has priestly duties, which is normally reserved for the king. It's mm -hmm. a whole, it's a whole very interesting so crazy. thing. Um, but yeah, so you're not going to get a satisfactory I think answer. this is my favorite question throughout all of that. the Q&A podcasts we've done. Yeah. I think this is my favorite because it's such a... It's really interesting. It's a difficult one. And I, yeah, I totally, like, yeah, man, I just... If I, if I, had, I want an answer. <laughs> if I had to guess... Uh, and again, we talked about open hand and closed handed. This is extremely open handed, but this is this is not even in my hand. The, there you go. It's on the floor, and I'm looking at it. But yeah, exactly. um, it's on my iPad. If I had to, if I had to kind of just take a stab at, at who I think the prince is, I would guess it's a it's a future figure who has not yet been, um, I get born. We we don't know about this figure yet, um, but is a ruler of Israel or at least someone in power at the time when the temple will be. Uh, rebuilt and is subservient um, to God and the Messiah. So maybe this is a figure that comes up um, like post Jesus coming back, all that yes. everything. Maybe it's David and David assumes the role of a prince and I don't know. It's a whole big thing. So that just came to my mind. I, that could be totally wrong. So don't yeah, take I, that I don't, to the bank. Uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, this question is, it's a really good question. And I love the fact that you picked up on it and you asked that question. Right. Um, because it's stuff like this that I don't think we'll ever have an answer to. So, um, but it's it's definitely one that's like that's like this is what makes like this kind of podcast fun. So, anyways, so there you go. Uh, sorry, there's no real answer. Yeah, not. And as, Evan sure, and I just talked about it. That's I'm all we sure did. Sure, you're not satisfied. We talked around satisfied it. Satisfied with it. But there you go. Okay, this next question comes in specifically for Aaron. 
So there you go. It says, hi, Aaron, which is how we know it's addressed specifically to you. Uh, as I listened to the podcast this week, uh, I don't remember what week this was, but it was a few episodes ago. Uh, you made a comment that I wanted some clarification on. Uh, I, like many, became a Christian sometime later, turned my back on that, and then and lived a secular life for quite a few years before eventually turning back to Christ. Uh, to me, I've always looked at the story of the prodigal son as being one of redemption. Uh, but your comment regarding Hebrews and, in essence, requiring the re-crucifixion of Christ to be in disagreement to uh, to be in disagreement with that. Am I wrong in my view? If not, how can that, how can these two views intertwine? Yeah, this is such a, um, that's a deep one. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate being, you being asked that because, um, as I'm trying to, um, understand, this is how I understand the question. So if this is not what you meant, then, uh, by all means, please, you can direct message me on Facebook for all I care. Um, or even the church, that's fine. Um, but, uh, how I'm understanding it is, the comment I made in regards to Hebrews was the idea of, uh, in essence, re-crucifying Christ and that he died once for all. And if we uh, w- come to Christ and we reject Christ and then we it, we can't, if we come back to Christ, it's like we're re-crucifying him and we, we can't do that. Um, that's what I vaguely remember from the podcast. I should have listened to it before today, but I didn't. Um, and my story is similar. And this is the story in the comment that I made is like, well, I grew up in a Christian household. I gave my life to Christ at a young age. I got baptized at eight years old. And then I kind of became lukewarm. I did my own thing. I still went to church here and there with my family, but I didn't really follow Jesus. And then at 15 years old, sitting in a van, driving across the country from Virginia beach to Tri-Cities, um, there was a very definitive moment where I said, you know, God, I've not given you a fair shot. And and what I where I think these two can kind of coexist or intertwine is Hebrews is literally drawing a very hard line that once you say yes to Christ and you surrender to him and you walk away only to reject every aspect of him, it's it's hard to be reinstituted in grace. Um, and, and so there may have been, I don't know your story fully as far as the secular life you lived, so to speak, but there's always, I mean, Ecclesiastes tells us in three, I think it's verse 11, that eternity is written on our hearts. There's always a sensitivity in some of us, even as I was kind of lukewarm, not really taking my faith seriously, but just attending church so I didn't get in trouble with my parents, um, that it, it, there is still some sort of sensitivity and humility and understanding that I'm not really playing this game well. I'm not, I'm not even a game. I'm not really following Jesus well. Um and, and I think the, the story of the prodigal son is, is a very similar story that many of us uh, will walk one day. And I think whether you have, whether you haven't, I think very few people uh, follow Jesus uh, from a very young age and they stay following Jesus faithfully every day of the, I think there's, I don't think that's as, as, it's not as common as I'm hearing people's stories. Um, so to answer your question directly, I don't think um, I don't think these two stories are in disagreement to each other. I don't think the prodigal son is in direct cor- or you know direct contrast to the re-crucifying of Jesus because of a rejection. Um, I think there's a very um, deep hole to walk down if you fully reject Christ and reject everything about Him. I think it's a hard-heartedness. I think it's a total turning away. And if I'm being honest with you. Um, for those who are in Christ, many of us, we don't fully t- turn away. We kind of dabble and we kind of play and we kind of, well, I want to have some fun too. And, and we sin kind of has a hold on us, but it's not this total cutting. Um, and it's like, I don't care about God anymore. I, like it's, we can say like, it's, it's a heart issue, I guess. That might be right. a better way to understand it is there's the heart component um, and a motivation component and things like that beyond it. I, and there's kind of, I think um, there's an interest, there's an importance 
lines to be drawn, I guess you could call, because there is a difference between, for instance, um, leaving, uh, or there's a difference between being involved in church and being a Christian, if that Absolutely. makes sense. And so I think um, most of the people, and I don't want to be too super general with it, um, but most of the people I run into where that is their story, where it's kind of like, I was in church and I was really enjoying it, stuff like that, and then I kind of turned away from a while and then I kind of back and came serious to my faith. When you really probe and talk, um, most of the time it's not like I was like absolutely They've not lost faith. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's that it was never there to begin with. It was just kind of like a cultural thing that you did or you're there cause you had friends or whatever it is. And then like, cause the most common thing that you're going to hear is um, I was in church as a kid through youth. And then when I graduated, uh, I stepped away for a little yeah. bit. And, and most of those stories are kind of like, it's, it's more of a, um, a loss of community. I suppose yeah. then, uh, or, or that's what was kind of holding you into churches or even a community. lack of obedience. Yeah. It's like, I mean, stories that can exist where it's, yeah, I grew up in church or whatever. I gave my life to Christ and I started living it with my, you know, my, my significant other. That's disobedience. Bible tells us clearly not to do that, but it's not a turning away from, and we might distance ourselves right. in faith, but it's not a rejection of our faith. What, what, what Hebrews is talking about is a total rejection of what we've come to understand in Christ. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, well, and, and so that, I mean, even, even the prodigal son was not, he didn't totally reject his father. He, he took what was rightfully his and went to squander it and live his own life only to then realize this was foolish. And he came back. He didn't reject his father in that story. And so I think if we play the prodigal son story out, maybe this is the easiest way to answer your question. If the son totally rejected his father, said, I want my money. And he left had no ties, no relationship, no connection, even like, it's almost like he changed his name. He's no longer identified with that family. And even in the midst of his brokenness, like screw that, I'm not going back. Yeah. Like there's this total rejection that Hebrews is addressing versus a, a walking away without that rejection, if that makes sense. I hope that helps some clarity. Yeah. Well, um, and I guess one thing I'll say too, cause I, I just feel like this could be coming up. Um, I think a lot of people really struggle with the idea of like, well, am I losing my salvation or whatever it is? Um, so what I think is really important to say is that um, the mark of a Christian is not a lack of sin necessarily. The mark of a Christian is, um, is hatred of sin and constant repentance, I guess. And, and that's a, an interesting line to draw. But I guess what I'm saying is, um, all, all of us uh, as Christians struggle with sin. And yeah. that's just kind of, that's, that's just kind of the reality of being on this side of eternity. Um, what separates a Christian is not that like, now I'm perfect and I don't ever sin. It's this understanding of, I, I um, reject sin and you're actually turning away from it and turning towards God. So it's not necessarily perfection. And every time we, we stumble, we don't have to feel like, well, now, like I lost my salvation, whatever it is, or God doesn't love me anymore. Like, no, no, that's the opposite. And again, it's kind of like with the story of the prodigal son, he gets lost in sin but he returns. Yeah. Um, he was never, father. he was never rejected by his father. Yeah. And, and I so, think that that's, that's, I mean, even, even to, to jump on this, this train for a minute, even more for a minute longer. I mean, um, oftentimes when we say, I feel like I'm losing my salvation, it's, we feel like we're being that really what we're saying is that we, we feel distant from God and there's some truth to that. When we live according to our own desires and we're not disciplined and rooted in our relationship with Jesus, meaning the basic disciplines of, of Christianity worth right. with Bible reading, with, you know, prayer, with community and, and in a church setting and worship to like, I think that there, there is this distance that happens, but you're not losing your salvation. Um, I think God's extension and invitation is there. Losing your salvation creates a picture that like God has removed his hand. You're no longer welcome. 
Um, and that's not the case at all. God is a gracious right. father and the good, the prodigal son shows us that. It's an it's, it's a story about a father. I think I've said this on a message I preached a few months ago or whatever, but the prodigal son is a story of a father more than it is of the son himself uh, and a father's response. And so when you say you're losing your salvation, be very, be very careful because I think that's a lie of the enemy to twist it and to cause right. us to feel insignificant and f- to feel neglected or um, to be feel, feel cut off. We no longer belong. That's well, not true. And I think the most powerful, one of the most powerful works of, of the enemy or even just our own minds would be um, to confuse uh, shame with conviction. Absolutely. And so the idea is like, you know, when we're convicted about sin, that is not um, God rejecting us. That's the Holy Spirit lovingly prompting us like, hey, to what, repent. what you're doing is wrong come back to me. Yeah. Um, and th- therefore like our, the Christian response to sin is to not run from God. It's to run, run to God. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. uh, long answer on that one, but hopefully yeah, that was I hope it answered. If not, if not, honestly, you like ask the question again or ask for a clarifying or um, call the church office and let's have a chat. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Final question of the, the Q&A one. podcast for question four. Last but not least. Aaron and Evan, what are your middle names? Just kidding. Uh, it's actually Mine's a biblical one. Is it? What is your middle name? I actually don't know. You don't. Aaron, I thought we were friends. What is it? I'm trying to think now. I don't think I know it. It's a New Testament name. New Testament name. I got nothing. I'm just going to make you wait now. Well, I know, but this question is, number four this is says this: podcasting. with prophecies about Jesus and Isaiah about being a lamb led to the slaughter, and Zechariah nine about riding a colt, and all of you are annoyed that I didn't answer the middle name question. Uh, riding a colt as in a young donkey. Mine's into John, Jerusalem. if you care. So. Why? <laughs> That's awesome. Why were a lot of Jews at the time of Jesus expecting him to be a vicious warrior on a huge war horse with a flaming sword? What prophecies were they focused on instead, or was it just wishful thinking because they wanted the Romans overthrown? Okay, so um, I thought this was actually kind of an interesting one to pick up because you do you do wonder. Um, like, hey, like you're reading through all these things and like you're not seeing like all this, all whatever it is. So a couple notes I'll make. Um, prophecies are much easier to interpret in hindsight. And so that's, an, so impor- that's an important thing to keep in mind when reading the Bible. Because if you think about um, the messianic prophecies, now that we know the life of Jesus, it's really easy for us to connect the dots and be like, oh, this is how this connects. This, this is really cool. But what did we just talk about? The, the random prince in Ezekiel. No idea. Yeah, right. Like, so, and one day on the other side of eternity, we're gonna know what happens, and we're gonna be like, "Oh, the prince." That's o- who it was. Obviously, oh, this is what it's referring to. Samsonite. Um, I was way Samsonite. off. Um, or, um, I think a really great example is half the stuff in Revelation is kind of like <laughs> we we can argue about today, and like, where do you stand? Like, what is let's all just say mean? the entire book of Revelation. Yeah, no, but there kidding. there will be a day when there is no longer debate mm-hmm. about revelation. True. Like we see what happens and we see, and then all of a sudden it'll be obvious to us like, Oh, this was the six headed beast, or this was the great dragon. This, you know, all whatever, yeah. whatever the thing that you're talking isn't, about is. Isn't, doesn't Paul say something about um, we with, you know, see only see in part, right? We only see yeah. and understand in part because we have, we're veiled in essence. And then when we stand before God, we'll be like, our, our, we'll have un, like, we'll have full knowledge. We'll be able to know, I don't know if we'll know what he knows. I don't know if that's accurate, but we'll actually have a full understanding right. um, as of Jesus's and so, God's work. So. Yeah. So as, with that being said, the, the reason I'm bringing all that up is because be, we, we, I, I want us to be very careful to not um, put our hindsight of events onto the Jews who were living before mm-hmm. any of these things happened. That's because good. to them, it's not like they're like, 
oh, he's going to be this and this and this and this. And they just have a list of like, yeah. here's all the check boxes. It's, it's, it's going to be revealed to them, but it's yeah. not something where like, they're just, they have a list of characteristics and they're looking for a guy who's going to fit those. So, yeah. And I feel like even, I mean, you've, I don't know, maybe again, I'm reading into this or whatever. I, I think some of the, the religious leaders were disappointed. I mean, they, oh, sure. for 400 years, God went silent and they were anticipating the coming Messiah and he was going to overthrow a kingdom. He was going to, and he was even like the prophecies even said that he's going to usher in a new kingdom. And so they were thinking, okay, the Romans, they're not the best kingdom. And so this guy's going to come in and overthrow him. And so who can overthrow him? Some carpenter or a vicious, you know, mighty warrior riding on a big war horse with a flaming sword. Well, and even the disciples remember are confused about this because they're always asking Jesus about his kingdom and Jesus having to explain like my kingdom is not of this world. It's not. So the prophecy is not being fulfilled in the way that you think. So it only reminds, it only speaks to the fact that you and I, these are things, these are comprehension points that you and I, I will not because we're finite, we're limited in right. our understanding. Um, but I do think that like, I could totally see that the religious leaders and the Jewish people are disappointed. Like, where's my Messiah? Well, where's my where's my victorious king? Right. Um, and, and there and are- it's this meek carpenter is what the appearance is. Yeah. The and appearance, the, it doesn't mean it was, but- There are prophecies too that refer to like, um, that, that there are messianic prophecies that are not kind of like, um, Jesus will be beaten or he'll be a baby that's born in this. But there's also, I mean, Daniel talks about the son of man descending out from the clouds or mm-hmm. Ezekiel, one of the two. I can't remember now, but- We just read both of them, so- I know, like, I should know which one the was prophets, which. Well, but when you read as much as we've read- I guess. Anyway, they, but they all yeah, blur together. so those are very like triumphant, like- um, Entry points. Yeah, like, Isaiah, the whole, like, he out. will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean- Especially again, without um, the benefit of hindsight, when you hear that, you're not imagining a poor carpenter from Nazareth. You're imagining like a great, mighty king yeah. who's going to come forward. So, and I think so. I think a lot of his perception based. Yeah, I think people are perceive or the Israelite people were perceiving something. Um, I think they wanted the Romans to be overthrown because I think all of us want power. I want. I mean, I want. I, w- I would love for a government to be overthrown that's not <laughs> biblical or accurate or honoring God or. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not projecting about the United States government. I'm just saying like, if I'm in my, if I'm in their shoes, yeah, I don't want the government, the Romans to rule. I want, I want, I want to be on top. I want everyone to look to me because I feel like I've been held down and things like that. So I think, um, their perception, um, is, is temporarily right. limited. And so just like ours is. So, um, one day we'll figure it out. And it's funny cause we're even reading into it. Um, and I could be totally off on this because I've, I'm just, this is shooting from the cup right, cuff right here. Um, and Revelation is where we get this picture of Jesus. Isn't it Revelation? No, it's not. Just kidding. I'm going to back up and just say I'm done. All right. Well, on that. <laughs> I told, I was thinking the picture of the, 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 the flaming sword and all that was a Revelation thing. It's not a Revelation thing. I was wrong. Oh, gotcha. There is, I'm incorrect. there is a lot of cool stuff about Jesus coming back in Revelation though. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yes. And that's a whole different book. But. All right. Love well, that on that note, um, that wraps it up. Thanks for, for the questions. Yeah, that wraps it's it up been for a fun all year. the Q&A questions for 2019. Um, I guess if you just want to have some behind baseball, we're going to uh, meet and kind of talk about what the podcast looks about next week. So we might record. Um, well, I guess now that we're committing to it, we will record like a really short little snippet and we'll just To give you an insight of what's yeah, coming. On its, own, on its own thing. So look for that coming out. Send in questions. We'll still answer them in the new year. Yeah, whether, yeah, whether it's dedicated Q&A episodes or whether it just kind of becomes a part of the show like we'll definitely make space for questions in the future so if you're listening to this in the distant past feel free to email in questions and we'll answer them as well so all those are things um i guess we wished everyone a merry christmas last time but one final time we can say happy new year oh wait is, is it 
Christmas was a few days ago. Friday. Bro. Yep, you're right. Christmas is over. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope you're celebrating the birth of Christ well. End the year well. There you go. And get ready for the new year. With that being said, for the final time in 2019, we will see you all not next week. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.